Welcome to Disrupting Japan. Straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Japan is missing out on the global e-commerce boom. Though there is plenty of e-commerce going on in Japan, but it's almost all domestic, and Japan is really missing out on the growing global market. However, Kazuyoshi Nakazato, founder of Zigzag, is changing that. Japan's e-commerce exports are still relatively small, but growing at 140% a year. And Kazu's looking to increase that even more. But as you'll hear, that's not easy. Kazu and the team at Zigzag are up against strong entrenched interests, language barriers, and one particularly frustrating aspect of Japanese business culture that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Kazu and I also discuss what COVID taught us about the resilience of global e-commerce, some things you should never try to sell online, and Kazu also shares some really great advice about how to survive and grow as an independent e-commerce site. But you know, Kazuyoshi tells that story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. So we're sitting here with Kazuyoshi Nakazato of Zigzag. Yeah, Zigzag. Who's helping Japanese e-commerce sites sell globally. So thanks for sitting down with us. So I explain really simply what you do, but I think you can explain Zigzag much better than I can. So what does Zigzag do? We offer a service called World Shopping Biz. Our own e-commerce site can quickly transform into an international site. It's very simple. All it takes is a single line of JavaScript tag. It provides multi-ringer input forms, multi-ringer customer support, and overseas payment support. That's, that's a lot for one line of JavaScript to do. Mm -hmm. So it covers the translation, payments, logistics? Yes, shipping. Uh, shipping. Okay, wow. And uh, you handle like returns? Returns, yes. And uh, 200 countries. So tell me about your customers. Who's using Zigzag? What kind of e-commerce sites? Fashion, cosme, anime, and entertainment site. For example, Japanese apparel is Beams and uh, Tower Records. About 2,500 websites. So that's quite a range. So is it mostly the bigger sites like Tower Records and Beams, or are yeah. there small independent sites also using it? Yeah. For example, uh, in Fukuoka's very, very small apparel shop, and in Chiba, bowling maker site. <laughs> like yeah. bowling ball maker? Yeah, bowling ball. Very, very heavy. <laughs> I was going to say that. Heavy. <laughs> really expensive to ship. Yeah. FedEx or DHL airship. Um, <laughs> I okay. Exporting bowling balls are like Japanese bowling balls, like really high quality or something. Maybe customer is living Saudi Arabia. Okay, where are the biggest export market? Where are they exporting to? Number one is USA. Number two is Hong Kong and Taiwan and China. That's interesting. Okay, before we dive deep and talk about e-commerce in general, I want to back up a little bit and talk about you. So 
before you started ZigZag, oh. from from like 2010, you were CEO of a company called Growbits, right? Yeah. You were Growbits, yes. A very similar business model. Hmm. Growbits is a logistic-only service. So you left Growbits to start ZigZag. So what was the difference between like Growbits and ZigZag? Because they're yeah. both focused on consumer-facing exports for Japanese e-commerce sites. Mm. So what's, what's the big difference between the two? Uh, Growbit is not my company. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's an important yeah. difference. Important. Yeah. And service is providing logistic only. ZigZag is a customer support and payment and uh, logistic support. Okay, yes. so you left to form like a more full-service yes. company. And so you've been running ZigZag since 2015, right? Mm. Eight years. Eight years, yeah. So that's interesting because 2015 was still kind of early in Japan's e-commerce boom. Mm. The first three years, only one. <laughs> Just you? Yes. For three years? Yes. Okay. <laughs> How big are you now? Now, 55. 55. Yes and uh, customer support partner in the Philippines and China, and logistic partner and in the Chiba. All the team, maybe 100 or over. So, I mean, that's, it's a lot of growth, but a lot of work over eight years. Mm. What's been your go-to-market strategy? So how did you get your customers? Do you integrate with Rakuten or Base or Shopify? Yeah. First? Call to website, <laughs> moshi moshi, faster. Second, second strategy and uh, alliance partner. In Japan, large cart service, e-commerce cart in the GMO make shop. Oh, GMO, yeah, yes. that's right. Future shop and Abismart, Ishibing. There's the cart is large commerce site and uh, many commerce site network. Yes, alliance partner, zigzags, bundling service. Okay, it's an option for yes. their customers. Overseas shipping option on. So right now in Japan, what are the biggest e-commerce platforms? Latte is not that offer a service. But what about companies like Base? Base is uh, not alliance, but we service supporting. Okay, yes. so you can integrate yes. with them. All right. So that makes sense. But there's two parts of it. So it sounds like Integration makes it very easy for the users of this e-commerce platform to use your service. But how do you convince these shops to sell overseas? Because it seems like most Japanese e-commerce has no thought to selling overseas. It's strictly selling in Japan. Mm. Social media. In the China market, we approach TikTok, WeChat, and uh, Alipay network. So like... If you're running an e-commerce site, you're talking about the payments, logistics, returns. ZigZag handles all that. But there's also what seems to me to be the most difficult part, which is actually finding the customers. Anime category is a community. Facebook, Twitter. That makes yeah. sense. For something like anime that has strong word of mouth, yeah. they have fans. But you also mentioned like some of your biggest customers are like fashion, cosmetics. These are really competitive for internet advertising. So how do those companies reach customers in say America? No advertising. Organic search and uh, organic branding about 2% and 8% uh, overseas access. 
Really? Yeah. So are people searching for that specific brand? Yeah, brand and anime character name. But let's, for example, you mentioned Beams. So Beams is kind of a select shop, right?、Mm. They're they're not their own brand. They find、mm. cool, <laughs> interesting products yes, from yes. other brands. So what are the customers searching for? Are they searching for those other brands? These they increase Instagram and Pinterest. So photos, and so these are like, for example, Beams or Beams like shops running their own Instagram and their own Pinterest, and people saying, "Oh, great, click yes, on that." Yes. Ah. Do you also work with e-commerce sites overseas selling into Japan? For example, Chinese companies or yeah, from U.S. to around the world and.、Uh, Chinese and maybe Korea, from Korea to worldwide. So for this kind of a strategy, having an internationally enabled e-commerce site, relying on social media or word of mouth advertising or organic search, is there like an ideal type of business perfect for this kind of e-commerce strategy? Promotion is very difficult. Focus targeting country.、Mm. Apparel category focusing Taiwan, Hong Kong, and、uh, figure, character, hobby is、uh, U.S. and EU. And is that just because in the U.S. and EU there are communities that are fans of anime, and in Taiwan, Hong Kong, there's communities that are fans of Japanese fashion?、Mm, yes, fashion category in the America, but Chinese people sizes. To wrong American size. Oh、yes. right, right. Just the sizes. Yes. yes. Ah ha ha! Hadn't thought about that. From America, access. But name is Kim Sang, Lee Sang, Chinese name. Right, right. Okay. Very, very many user. Are there any kind of goods that you just won't work with at all? Like, what kind of goods just don't sell well overseas? Very big and very heavy. Ah well,、yes. but you were saying bowling balls were doing.、Uh, <laughs> <laughs> bowling is rare, rare case. Okay. <laughs>、uh, very heavy and very large item is very expensive spin cost. Yeah. Okay. So shipping cost really. Yes. Well, that makes sense. Fashion is very light. Yes. Anime is digital. Yeah. Character goods very light package. Figure, trading card, Pokemon card. Ah right、yes. right collectibles. Yes. Okay. So I'm curious about e-commerce in general in Japan, in Europe, and especially in the U.S. The end of COVID, or let's say the slowing down of COVID, because it's still here. When COVID has started to go down, e-commerce sales have started to go down as well. Is the same thing happening in Japan? No, in Japan, growth continues. Yes, under forty percent growth from last year. Yes, for overseas. We only look inside Japan. That's still growing very strong. No, inside commerce is、uh, down. Okay,、yes. so within Japan, it also came down yeah, after yes, Corona. Ah,、yes. uh, okay, okay. Well, that makes sense.、Mm. So, e-commerce in Japan seems to be really dominated by like the big three, right?、Mm. So, Rakuten and Amazon and Yahoo. Yahoo <laughs> and Mercari. <laughs> oh yeah, Mercari. Yeah. Yeah, they're used goods, so I always forget about them. But yeah, their Mercari counts. Do we still see a lot of smaller e-commerce sites? Trends before bigger. What's happening to like the small e-commerce sites? Maybe difficult. 
very difficult, but each e-commerce shop maybe get chance. Marketing becomes simple and social media Shopify system, easy sale and marketing. Well, that's the thing that I'm trying to understand. It's much easier to start an e-commerce site today than ever before, right? We have platforms like Shopify, Base, I mean, so many of them now. Mm. As you mentioned, marketing on social media is really simple. Mm. Zigzag is allowing shipping internationally. Yeah. Very simple, flip a switch. Yes. But it's really hard to run an e-commerce site. The market share for the independent sites are getting smaller and smaller. Mm. Why? Why? <laughs> very many players, very difficult searching for users. Too many, hard to find. Brown and item, what is originality? Consumer don't know item originality. So, so there's nothing unique about most e-commerce yeah. sites. They're selling the same thing that you can buy on Rakuten. And... Mm. So what is the secret for a successful small e-commerce site? I think brand message, brand story, item originality. What I think is interesting, even though we're talking about very small shops, the, the branding is the most important thing. Mm. So they're doing something unique. They have a unique brand in people's minds, even if they're small and only selling a few goods. Mm. That makes sense. I've noticed that, so for example, in China, there is huge interest in Chinese e-commerce sites selling to the world. Xi'an. Yeah, for example. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're an ex they, exceptional example. Yeah. Cheap item, fast cycle. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're an exceptional example of that. But even like all these little factories are on Alibaba or they have independent sites, they're really aggressive in selling to the rest of the world. But Japanese e-commerce sites don't seem to be so passionate about going global. Maybe Japanese people, not global thinking. Yeah? Yeah. Why, why is that? Japan is island, and the Japanese character, kana, and the kanji character. Yeah, but I mean, China uses kanji too. It's a Chinese <laughs> character. <laughs> so, <I yeah>. mean. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. <laughs> China is not island. Yeah, well, that's yeah. true. Yeah, it's a big, yeah. big country. What's the best way to change that way of thinking? How do you get Japanese e-commerce site owners thinking about global market? These days, maybe change globally. But for example, recently, the yen became much cheaper. Like last year, it dropped like 25%, which I would think would make every e-commerce site in Japan want to sell yeah, overseas. overseas. Right? Yeah. But did it change anyone's opinion? No. <laughs> oh, because that's like pure profit, right? <laughs> I think, why? Your website organic access to 2% or 8% overseas access. I said every e-commerce site marketing people. So you can say that even now, yeah. 2 to 8% of your traffic is overseas. But e-commerce marketing people said our company can't sell overseas. Why? What are they worried about? They think very difficult customer support or disrupt payment. 
Yes, Japanese Empire is just over two months. Okay, yeah. Well, I could, I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try overseas. We say no. Ah. <laughs> uh, do you think it's improving? Do you think people are getting more open-minded to... Well, if business is up 140%, I guess that means more people are doing it now. Yeah. Maybe after five years, quality grows. All right. Well, listen, Kazuya, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Thank you. And we're back. Like almost everything else about the internet, E-commerce did not work out quite like we expected. I mean, it's great. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I certainly don't want to go back to the pre-Amazon, pre-Rakuten brick-and-mortar days. Shopping is just so much simpler now. But that brief boom in small, interesting online shops delivering quality goods to a global market might be coming to an end. I mean, I hope not. But we are clearly in a consolidation phase where the big platforms are taking increasing market share. And that's a shame. Because the large platform dominance and their focus on convenience and efficiency not only results in a greater conformity of goods available, but it results in lower quality as well. In a way, it is that very convenience of e-commerce that has led to consumers' growing acceptance of incredibly low quality or even counterfeit goods. It's simple economics, really. When you buy something, you pay more than just the price of that item. You also invest your own time. Maybe you have to wait for the weekend, travel across town to a particular shop, talk to a few people, buy the item, and come back home. Your investment's much more than that purchase price, and the quality you demand will be correspondingly high. But when your time investment is simply pushing a button on your phone, well, the expectations drop. This consumer sentiment has been leveraged best by Chinese e-commerce giant Xi'an who is taking fast fashion to its natural extreme. I mean, even after last year's drop in startup valuations, Xi'an is still worth about $65 billion, and in 2021, they sold over $16 billion in, well, low-quality clothes and accessories that often won't even survive more than a few wearings. But the prices are so ridiculously low that on average at least, their customers are okay with it. It's going to be interesting to see if this market pressure will change the famously high standards of the Japanese consumer. I, I sincerely hope it does not. But over the years, I've learned never to bet on culture to win over market forces. And this brings us to Kazu's advice about surviving and thriving as an independent e-commerce site. Get the consumer to invest their time in you, not just their money. Now, you obviously don't want to make them drive across town. You want them to spend their time getting to know you and know your brand and know your story. 
And that's good advice not just for e-commerce startups, but for all startups and business in general. Your company and your brand needs to occupy a unique place in your customer's mind. Even if it's small, show them something unique and valuable, and customers will pay attention. If you want to talk more about e-commerce or brand building, Kazu and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show 201, and let's talk about it. And hey, if you enjoy the show, share a link online or just tell people about it. In this age of over-the-top hype, you'd be amazed how much power a simple, honest recommendation has. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.